What do you know? It's Tomas Nito. The Mets backup catcher propelled them to a win and series split Thursday afternoon against the Nats with a grand slam, two home runs, and six RBIs. We talk about the win. Jeff McNeil's knee injury after making an incredible catch on the warning track. Stroman opting out. And the overall outlook for the team as we have hit the third of the way through the season with 40 games left to play. We also chat with 1986 World Series champion, friend of the program, the doctor, Dwight Gooden. All that and more next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York Post. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. That's former Mets pitcher, my co-host, Nelson Figueroa, and I'm Jake Brown. Subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Give your boys here a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Mets legend, World Series champion, and now friend of the program, Doc Gooden joins us later in the show. But Figgy boy, we got a lot to get into. It's amazing. We recorded Sunday night. Of course, Monday afternoon. The Stroman news drops. We'll get to that in a little bit, but we have to start with the breaking news. The Mets did win. They are now 9-11. They split the four-game series with the Nats. A nice win on Thursday. Tomas Nito was the star of the show, but before we get into the game, let's get into the breaking news of the hour, and that's Jeff McNeil left the game after making a remarkable leaping catch going into the wall, banged his left knee into the wall. The news is that it is a bone contusion in his left knee. He is Day-to-day, they're saying it could be five days or so. What's your thoughts on the injury, the timeline? Do do you think they should put him on the injured list? What do you think? I think you have to uh, take precaution. Uh, A bone bruise is no fun. Anytime you get a a bone bruise, you hit bone on bone. That thing hurts so bad, and there's no way to work through it. It's not fleshy. There's no tissue. There's no way to massage it out. It's a bruise in the bone. That tells you how, how much force he hit that wall with. And that's what Jeff McNeil is. He's a gamer. He went all out to make that catch. Huge situation in the game right there with two outs. Two runs are definitely scoring if that thing hits off the wall. But what you saw out of McNeil is what you always see. He's gritty. He's gutsy. The determination to not even pull up for a half a second. He smashes into the wall. And that's, unfortunately, when guy plays with reckless abandon, these kind of things happen. So it's, it's unfortunate. Hopefully he's back within a week, but I'm not really sure uh, how long it's going to be. They're saying five days. I think it's going to be five days before he can actually kind of test that thing out fully. And uh, with the way that he swings a bat, that, that's going to be, uh, I think, a, a much bigger issue than we really think it is right now. Yeah, and they're saying he's not, it doesn't appear he's a candidate to go on the injured list. So listen, maybe he's back against the Marlins on Monday for that series. I'd, I'd be shocked if he plays in Philadelphia this weekend. The Mets PR did not have him speak to the media after the game. But yeah, that was a big catch figgy because that's a three nothing game quickly off the bat if that ball drops it was already one nothing and then you know dom smith again he's been on fire now getting his chance to play four homers leading the team and he makes it a tie game and then it's the tomas nita show the rest of the day so mcneil the good news the, the tests are negative the good news is that it seems like he'll be back soon and the mets do have the depth to take his place especially with Robinson Cano potentially back this weekend, the way Jimenez is playing. 
You know, you have JD at third, but you have the ability to move him to left. You have the ability to Jimenez play at third. So they have some options in the short term to take over. And even in the long term, Luis Rojas is going to have some decisions to make here with this team because Ahmed Rosario probably is going to be back this weekend. Rosario was struggling. Jimenez was not. And Jimenez has five steals now already in his defense. I mean, the way he throws to first base on these double play turns is absolutely amazing. He throws a cannon. So there's some big decisions that Luis Rojas has to be made, and that's including Rosario, Jimenez playing time, Cano. Are you going to DH him, play him at second, and maybe risk further injury? I mean, there's a lot of things that are on the manager's plate right now. Well, I think the easy thing right away is that Robbie's going to be a DH, right? So Cano's DHing. You go and you take J.D. Davis and you put him in left field, even though he's played a really nice third base. Uh, Guillaume is another guy who's played outstanding defense. He, and he's hitting very well. I mean, I, I think he's he's still got a little league batting average right now. It's, it's been nice to see. And seeing those two guys up the middle, the way they turn double plays, because they've done it before. They've done it in the minor leagues. They have a comfortness, a comfort level with the, you know turning that double play. It seems so seamless when they're doing it up the middle there. Uh, that, that's a very nice combination. And again, these aren't problems that the Mets have. When we said that, you know, Jimenez was making the team and you got Guillaume was going to be a backup guy. This is the reason why you carry that kind of depth and guys that can play multiple positions around the infield because then you can mix and match then you can bring Rosario back when he's healthy and put him at shortstop and you can move Guillaume to play third base and you can have Jimenez at second or any combination of those three guys what I like is the athleticism just jumped up tenfold in the infield uh guys are making plays you, the way that the the way that the Mets are moving around when they got rid of some dead weight they seem a lot more into these games and even when they're you know they, they took a beating in that one game against the Nationals but other than that I mean you're looking at a 2-1 ball game that they lost to Max Scherzer I mean there's no shame in that you're looking at every single game they're in it it's been some exciting baseball to watch them and they're starting to put some things together but they've got to be able to kind of roll for a little while i want to see five six games in a row even the the uh bullpen game and we said that they're built to have a bullpen game where they can go a little bit longer and then juan soda decided to wreck that party right with the three-run bomb right off the that's that's what you're looking at with this team is that there is a depth almost like never before because it's not even a fall off dom smith is getting an opportunity to have more productive at bats and he's not disappointing the man's leading in home runs he's leading in rbis and he's leading in smiles uh, quite honestly uh, most guys that are in his situation and are that young they're really upset that they don't get to play you know you had a guy like alonzo struggling early on well dom you know should have been sitting there going man i need to play more no he sat back and he was probably trying to help pete break out of the slump because why good karma man that guy he's just a good dude he's a good teammate he's somebody that everybody always has his back because they know that he's got theirs and and he's from Cali, so he's you know he's got that gin and juice as well. It keeps Dom in a good mood. Um, but the thing is with Cano, you talk about Cano as DH, but honestly, now with McNeil out, you won't get Dom at bats. Because if you're not going to play Dom in left field, essentially here's what needs to happen with McNeil out is a lot. I think part of the reason, honestly, too, they're playing Alonzo over Dom at first is because as bad as it sounds, is this video thing that Pete Alonzo is doing on his YouTube where he's sounding off. I don't know if that plays a factor, but he also wants to be out there every day for part of that. But I think Pete at first, Cano's going to have to play second, third, Andres Jimenez. Uh, short Ahmed Rosario, left J.D. Davis, 
DH Dom Smith with McNeil now out and we'll see when he does come back you're gonna have to play JD and left we know we don't like his defense out there and you're gonna have to DH Dom and Cano's gonna have to play second when McNeil's back that gives you the opportunity to make Jimenez at second JD at third and then Dom so it, listen these are good problems to have like you said and injuries do come up as they did today so you just never know I mean they'll come to that situation when they can but it's not a bad thing listen JD Davis was hotter than anybody right in the middle of the lineup he's slumping lately as well so he needs a rest he needs a break so he'll probably sit and maybe it's Dom Smith who plays left field because Dom has been hot so Rojas now can juggle this lineup I I, I know the analytic guys are going to have a say in it but you can't tell me to the naked eye that those young athletic bodies in the middle of that infield don't excite you every ground ball that gets hit you think they can get to it you think they can not just get to it but they can make the play they're completing the plays the defense is much more solid up the middle with those young guys in there and again by no means am I saying Guillaume is going to play over Cano <laughs> I think that's it's not even even close but I do like the fact that you don't have to rush anybody back remember Cano was supposed to do some stuff on the field today and with the wet conditions they didn't want to do that so you don't have to bring them off yeah and it gives them time and, and Guillaume's bat is making what is what making things interesting while it's mostly singles and some doubles he's getting on base a lot and that you know makes you delay Cano a little bit and gives you options and you know everyone's getting involved even Billy Hamilton had a hit today his first hit as a Met. Uh, I wish he would bunt more because he's so damn fast and I love a good bunt single. He tried and, you know, didn't really do it successfully. But even he got a hit. You know, Jimenez five steals. Pete Alonzo is surging right now this week. He's come out of that big slump. But, been on base how, how many games in a row now? 35? Yeah, and he, every game this year, yeah, 35. Everyone is getting involved to the point where the hero of the day got involved, and that's Tomas Nito. And here's the guy who, Figgy, I didn't want on the team. I wanted them to get someone like a Jonathan Lucroy or Russell Martin and a veteran backup. They kept Nito, and while I've hated on him and his bat, man, did he just carry them today with six RBIs and just a very unexpected game from a guy who is usually known just for his defense. Yeah, you know, he's he had a high batting average in the minor leagues. It hasn't translated because of lack of playing time at the major league level, right? You have to get the reps, and so you have to stay prepared, and moments like this is what makes it really special because you give a guy like Ramos a day off, and you know, most of the time Ramos has to be in there. Tomas Nito is a better catch-and-throw guy than Wilson Ramos. He moves better. He handles the staff really well. That's why he made the team last year. And he's a guy that, again, he has to get comfortable in the box. And maybe he's that guy in the lineup that if you're planning and you're game planning for all these other guys and all these other names, Tomas Nito's not the one that you think is going to beat you. That's the best part. And that's why the beauty of baseball is it does not matter. You can game plan for the guys in the middle of the lineup, and it's going to be the guy who hasn't had a home run since 1970 that's the guy that'll get you and that's that's the charm the magic of baseball it doesn't have to be the superstars every night Tomas Nito he is the guy that carried them today and the superstar for the day wildly unexpected I mean none of us saw it coming and we talk about Pete Alonso getting to his batting weight. He's almost there. He's at 240. He weighs 245. Uh, he's hitting above my batting weight. I'm at around 230. They call me Slim Slim Jim now, posting slim thirst traps over here on rooftops. You know, everyone loves a good rooftop and a, and a slim, bald dad bod. But uh, I think I've mentioned dad bod in every episode of this podcast. It's it's pretty Alonzo, Alonzo has, has broken out of his shell, and what, what has broken him out of the shell is not swinging for the fences. It's been those line drive base hits to right field. 
staying you know with the ball a little bit longer letting the ball travel and you hear keith hernandez say this all the time to get yourself out of a slump you've got to see more pitches if you're going up there and you're swinging and missing at three you didn't see any of the three because you swung and missed at all three well they got to take notes from brandon nemo he takes every pitch he works the count three two every time i wish pete would do that well that's one of the things that pete really did that has turned him around he had the three walks in that one game i think it was in against miami and ever since then his at bats have been a lot better he's seen the ball better he's 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 not jumping out to get the ball he's not trying to kill the baseball we know when he squares it up he can hit it as as hard as anybody in the game but i think he's so amped to try and prove that with each and every swing that it got in his head a little bit and what took what what it was is guys in rbis you know rbi guys out on the on the base paths and he's just hitting that base hit to right field hitting the ball hard somewhere and getting those rbis and they're starting to pile up and now you're seeing the peter alonzo that we knew was around last year i said besides the home run it, that was impressive. Don't get me wrong. That's 50, you know, two home runs, 53 home runs. That's impressive in itself. It was the fact that this guy with two strikes was still a good hitter and would hit the ball the other way and take those base hits in RBIs when they were out there. Yeah, and on the pitching front, Figgy, David Peterson was magnificent today. He went, you know, five, one hit innings, one nothing early without him giving up a hit until like the fifth inning. So he was just awesome. You know, he's got to pass the torch here to guys like Mats and Porcello. Mats has just been so wildly inconsistent. He got rocks his last time out there. He needs a big start in Philly. It'll be DeGrom, Mats, Porcello against a Philly team that has just struggled mightily with their bullpen. If the Mets can work counts and get the starters out of there and get the, to the bullpen, that's been the Phillies' demise in the early shortened season for them as they have uh, you know, had games postponed with COVID, less games just like the Marlins. But uh, if the Mets could get to that bullpen this weekend, they could keep this thing rolling and maybe you know get to 500, get over 500 here. Yeah, I think I used the term early on when I talked about this division, right? Rock'em, sock'em, robots. These guys are going to beat up on each other. So these games, you're going to see a lot of these games or the series, they're going to be where you split a lot of them. It's really going to be how do you fair against the teams, the other teams that you face. And it's uh, the American League East, right? How do you do against the Yankees? How do you do against Boston? How you do? Because other than that, I, I really see, I, I don't know if the Marlins are for real. I don't know if they are. I, I, I They're just, it's just a band of brothers who are all playing on riding the wave. I think you see that when they score, they get a home run. They do the little wave thing, right? They're just riding that wave. And so they, they've been playing some fun baseball to watch. But when you look at them on paper, it shouldn't be a matchup. It's been guys that have been cast aside and thrown away away from other teams and that have been reclaimed by the Marlins, especially with COVID. You, you see pitchers who were in a ball last year that are in their rotation right now, and, and they've been able to find a way to win ball games. So they, they've made it exciting at least. And that's, that's the beauty of the game, right? And that you see a team like the Phillies who are supposed to be right at the top, the nationals as well, the Mets as well, you know, projected to be all sitting way over 500 right now. They're not like the Cubs where the Cubs were what 11 and three going into today. It's, it hasn't been anybody like that. And so these guys are going to have to find a, way each and every single game to that starter has to find a way to go at least two times through the lineup and hand the ball over to a bullpen and the bullpen doesn't have to be perfect but they got to be very very good in big situations with runners in scoring position and I think that's going to be the biggest thing that that turns this division over yeah and the Mets bullpen has been very good and they're getting guys back Brad Brock coming back has been awesome uh, I, we talked about last show how much I've liked Jared Hughes and his delivery. Edwin Diaz has been a new pitcher, not in the ninth inning. I think he is allergic to the ninth inning. The ninth inning is springtime for uh, Edwin Diaz, and then every other inning – 
is fall and just hoodie season. He turns into hoodie mellow when he pitches <laughs> any other time. His last five or six outings, he hasn't given up a run, I believe. And he's been, you know, while he still puts base runners on, he's been great. So the bullpen's been good. Um, let's close on this since we couldn't react to it. Monday is Marcus Stroman. You lose him for the season. He opts out. My initial thought was I'm glad he did it professionally, put something out there. But the whole he's worried about COVID thing, it does seem more, and we'll talk about this with Doc in a few minutes it seems like more was it a business decision that if he got hurt and missed next season he'd lose out on potential contract what'd you think of him uh opting out after seeming like he wanted to really be part of this team about a couple days ago oh uh, not even a couple days ago i mean one of the most outspoken people about the mets and this team and and playing in new york and and all the hard work and staying ready during covid you're watching him on instagram throwing bullpens on the dock outside of his house and working with dom smith being there working with his brother this guy loves baseball he lives breathes baseball so to see this decision come down to you know uh, and, and if you're worried about the health of your family that's first and foremost i get that it, it's just it it feels bad all the way around when it comes to this is what he has said he has never once said at any point i'm gonna have to think about you know playing and and the the risk involved he had never once said that it, it, for him it was if we're playing baseball i'm playing baseball and when that didn't happen and he was very close to coming back he threw five innings 85 pitches said he felt 200 percent, which according to maury povich is always a lie right whenever they you whenever the girl says i'm 200%. Right. I'm 200%. I know who the father is. It's never the father. But that's one of the things is that he wanted to play and to see this decision. And for whatever reason it is, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because I did want to see Marcus Stroman with a clean slate this year going into pitching in a Mets uniform because he grew up a Mets fan. I know that feeling. I know what it was like to put on that uniform the first time, how nervous I was. I know what it was like to try and, you know, you're in front of family and friends every single outing. It's a different level of pressure. But when it comes to a business decision of, of you know, uh, the risk involved with injury moving into a free agency, yeah, that that weighs in. And if you're looking at what you're making, the prorated version, like Cespedes making only $2.2 million, uh, on a $6 million contract, you know, for playing in a shortened season like this, is it worth it to these guys at that amount of money when they have a lot of money on the table for next year? If, if Cespedes continued to strike out like that and be overmatched, and then if he got hurt on top of it, then who gives him a contract? Right now, somebody may give him a contract. One of these teams, uh, you know, like Oakland, who gave him his original contract, who need a big bat, you know, as a DH, I could see a team like that giving him a contract, not even batting an eyelash over everything else. They'll just go with the COVID opt-out. They're not going to look into it further than that. But I, I I think when it comes to Marcus Stroman, I, I just I feel cheated that I wanted to see him not only pitch, but I wanted to see him succeed in a Met uniform. And I felt like he was going to be a big part of this rotation. Yeah, and he's a guy who talked a lot of smack on Twitter and social media, and you're going to get slack from Met fans when you do that. I am glad, he, while I'm glad he did it professionally, this shocked us all. The Mets, listen, the Mets will live without him. It's going to be Peterson who stepped up big today. He's going to have to do that all year. And they're really going to need Waka to come back pretty quickly because you can't throw Robert Gazelman out there every five days. I'm sorry. We saw he got rocked quickly uh, when he came out uh, for that spot start. So you can't really patch together these guys. You'd rather save them for middle relief when you can, especially with starters having trouble going past five innings during this shortened season and not wanting to risk guys getting hurt. And you mentioned uh, the Maury Povich show. I mean, Doc Gooden apparently thinks you're the father of Tomas Nito, that you guys have some kind of relationship. 
relation. I mean, you are 46, he's 26. Do you have a son on the Mets that we do not know about? Uh, I can't confirm nor deny the allegations. Uh, and after today's game, yes, I would have to say he is. I, I'll make it uh, the announcement today. No, he's not my son. At 20 years old, I had never even stepped foot other than for a weekend uh, in Puerto Rico. Oh, wait a minute. The weekend in Puerto Rico? No, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. Yeah, oh. totally kidding. No, but Tomas Nito is. I'm. A, I'm a big fan of his. I, I love his work behind the dish. I, Rene Rivera raved about him back when he was first with the Mets, and you know he he did another stint with them just recently until he got hurt. But Rene Rivera used to rave about Tomas Nito and, and and what a good receiver he was. You know, Puerto Rican catchers. There's a long lineage of very good Puerto Rican catchers, and so you want to kind of be one of those guys that people turn around and look up and say yeah you remind me of and i won't go and say the names but the, the puerto rican receivers benito santiago pudge and all those guys those are the guys that you look up and, and uh molinas of the world where you're like yeah if you can be mentioned as a, a, one of the future catchers to carry on that torch it's a it's a nice feeling well speaking of maury and love childs let's wrap up this segment here before we hand it off to doc Gooden. And joining us now is a friend of the program. I, I talked to him a bit at the way back screening, which is way back in another world. It was before the pandemic hit uh, back in I don't even know what month, what year. That was like a different lifetime ago in like February or March. He joined us later on as well in our Howie Rose episode before we went on hiatus. He's a 1986 Mets World Series champion, three-time World Series champion, and he is a doctor as well. It is Dwight Gooden, a.k.a. Doc. Dr. K joining Amazing But True once again. Doc, how are you, man? Everything's good. What's up, guys? Good to see you guys back. You're doing good things. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's always good to chat with you. And, uh, you know, now you're a friend of the program coming on a few times. And, Doc, you can follow on Twitter at DocGooden16. Follow him on Instagram at DocGooden. Check out his website as well. Get on his email list gooden16.com and I know you got some you got some like cool cards and shoes and shirts just talk about some of the stuff you're putting out there recently pretty cool designs yeah, there. Stuff, good fun stuff and my son Dwight Jr. is basically he started all that and um, something that he wanted to do and have fun with the fans unfortunately with everything going on now he can't really get it in the stores just yet um, that's our ultimate goal in the near future but the main thing is um, all the cards that Top's putting out the project 2020 some cool stuff like the one me and Strawberry dropped today it's great you know, it's, for, it's great for all ages. And like now, like I mentioned, having grandkids, kids, obviously, and getting to share this with them, it's great because they didn't get to see me play. So just a way of reminiscing and then getting my opportunity to see what I'm doing. And then with the shirts, um, my son started that, the didn't brand shirts. And now we're starting to add shoes. We had cats just added in. They're like Gary Pinkus, who does a lot of stuff with the Mets. You know, so in Connecticut, he came on a good idea with the hats. And then now we're starting to add shoes to it as well. Listen, want to get going right here and catch up with you about the State of the Union address with when it comes to Mets pitching. You know, we've taken a few bumps here over the past week. Uh, let us know what you think about what's going on with the Mets pitching staff. Peterson, I like him. He looks like a veteran guy. Like, he knows what he's going out there. I like him a lot. Um, obviously, DeGrom's DeGrom, and DeGrom really shows you why he's the man. Um, his last start, he didn't really have the stuff that we're accustomed to saying, but he still got through 
you know, when quality starting gave the team a chance to win, which he did get the win by only giving up two runs. It's unfortunate with Syndergaard, what happened? You have to have surgery this year to do it. Stroman, I was a little shocked. I think once I first heard it, but then I thought about it, I wasn't really shocked because if you guys remember, when he first saw the uh, Mets, he was a little upset. He wanted to go to the Yankees. So I wasn't too surprised by that. But, you know, I hear he's a good guy. So hoping Cole Pete gets healthy and make sure the Mets can bring him back somehow. Steven Matz, I think he has great stuff, obviously. Just a little consistent. I think somehow, some way, he's got to find it. This year, they're leaning on him a lot, but this year, a tough year, I think, for everybody. He's been around now, so it's no more excuses. So he just get more consistent, I think, personally. Yeah, you're, you you hit the nail on the head with that one right there because, I mean, we're in year five. How many times are we going to give him a chance and make excuses when we're only hoping for him to have back-to-back good starts, and we haven't seen it in a long, long time? I don't understand what it is because it's not the stuff. Do you think it's just something between the ears? No, I totally agree. It's, it's frustrating because you know he has the stuff, but like you're saying, I mean, right now, I mean, he's got to step up. I mean, it's no more excuses. No more passes. He's got to do it. I mean, I don't know. It's got consistent. I know one thing. Well, I'm not saying hits might have hurt him, but you know, a guy like um, Solo is hitting. I remember, I see the home run makes it, but he takes a swing and then he's smiling at you, knocking on his ass. I mean, come on, man. What would you have done? What would you have done to Soto if he you took a smile? You don't necessarily have to hit him. I probably would have hit him. But if a guy hits the ball for me 500 feet or whatever, it makes a bad he falls on back and he's looking at me smiling. No, you got to knock him on his ass. I'm sorry. You don't have to hurt him, but you got to definitely knock him on his ass. And that's the thing I think we've been missing not only with Matt pitchers, but throughout baseball. You don't see that anymore, especially now. The way the ball is flying out of the park, the guys without bigger stroller, they went out with arm gear, they crown the dish, ballpark smaller. Nobody's pitching inside. I'm not saying to hit anybody or hurt anybody, but you got to make a move to feet. You have to. And you don't see it anymore. No, you're absolutely right. Doc, look at today's game, right? Peterson goes and he hits Soto, right? And Soto hadn't done anything to him. He struck out Soto the first time. He hits Soto and they gave warnings to both sides. And it wasn't a situation where he was trying to get revenge or this is a rookie pitcher who it's raining outside. Maybe one does slip. That would be the one time that it would slip. There's no reason for warnings in that situation. But I think even the umpires are going above and beyond. Oh, I totally agree with you. There's no situational warnings there. I mean, umpires, I don't get it. I mean, I get up a lot of credit because unfortunately a lot of heat all the replay stuff and all that but at the same time stuff that takes place like that I mean come on man that's part of the game they're taking away too much too many rule changes it's a great game and they kind of taking that away a little bit yeah I mean let me just put it bluntly it's the pussification of the game in some aspects and the fact that there was I mean it's a joke there's a warning and then you got you know, in Houston, you got Alex Cintrone, a hitting coach, trying to challenge a player and talking about his mama or something, how whatever went down. Uh, that was a joke as well. On the um, Marcus Stroman front, he points to COVID and that being the reason for him opting out. Uh, Doc, I think it's per- a personal thing and he, he wants to not re-injure himself because, you know, you have a serious injury in this season, you're out next year and you lose out on money next year. I think it was more a personal and business thing because he did a polar oh, 180. 100%. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. But 100%, I think that's what it was. And, and you hate to see that. I mean, obviously, you know, the guys, I did say, oh, yes, they're right. Yes, you're right. But, I mean, come on, man. These guys would, would do anything in a better position. Guys got to remember, it's a privilege to play at this level. And, I mean, I understand if that's the, if that's the reason. Be a man up to say it. I don't want to take a chance. I may only get, you know, five or six starts. So, I don't want a chance. I want to get strong as I possibly can, get healthy. Come back next year. See it. Nobody's going to shoot you. You're good. Like, don't give me that bullshit about, you know, I talked to my family and we feel it's best. Come on, bro. You're bringing in the checks. You're the man. It's your call. And on that front, Yoenis Cespedes, he didn't really say it. He put it through to his agent that it was COVID-related reasons. What would you think about him surprising us opting out? Oh, man. I respect 
Because, I, I mean, that's that's real bad. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I hate to see it, and I hate to say it, to be honest. But since you guys have a, a great show, and honest show, I have to say it. He may get bike ball next year, and I'm okay with that. Number one, you put yourself in that position by the stuff you're doing off the field. And now you missed two, three years. When they didn't throw out baseball, they said, don't give this guy a contract. And that's did it anyway. And that's the way you show them. I mean, you owe those guys. You owe your teammates, bro. I mean, come on, man. That that was a weak move. And I know Seth's been a little bit. I always thought he was a great guy. But I can't agree with him on this move at all. And that definitely wasn't about COVID. I mean, I hope I'm wrong again, but I don't think I'm wrong. The way that all played out, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty weak. Because from what I hear, what I heard, was that he thought that the way he was going to use him, he wouldn't be able to make his centers and make some of his money back. But you put yourself in that position. If you just go out and ball when you get the opportunity, they'll play you, and actually you get another contract. Maybe now, with your reputation and everything that's going on, what's happening, maybe the team might up inviting me to spring training and have this spring appointment. I don't know. I mean, I don't wish I'd battle anybody. That was just bad, man. That was bad. Yeah, it's bad optics, definitely. And that's one of the things as a former player, you sit back and you say, you can't control, like you're saying about Stroman, you know, wanting to not risk further injury and what happens next year. Look at what happened to Syndergaard. Syndergaard got hurt, not during spring training. He got hurt while throwing at home when there was a the, the break for COVID. So you can't pick and choose when you get hurt, right? You can't pick and choose when you get hurt. You don't know when it's going to happen. It could happen on a major league field on every single pitch. A guy could blow out. You don't have a choice in that matter. So what you need to do is you have to look at the man in the mirror at the end of the day and say, you know what? I am a professional ball player and I'm trying to help my team win. And it's I, I do think it's bad optics all the way around because it comes back and it looks bad on you because while these guys are going out there and they're risking everything and they're trying to follow all the protocols, all the safety protocols, they're doing everything they can. They're also trying to win ball games because they're paid professional ball players. So there's an obligation, I think, there that you have to, you know, stand up for. You have to be a seven guy. You have to come You're actually right. I mean, you're, you're right on that. You're, no, you're right on with that, man. Like you say, as a pitcher, and I think you know, pitch, there's no way you can stop from my injury. Like you said, you'd be off getting in shape for the offseason, like you say, Cinderella was, or the spring training, side day, what have you. The stuff happens, man. There's no way to avoid that. And unfortunately, karma, man, karma comes back on you when you least expect it. You play a professional game, man. You cannot cheat, cheat you guys like that. Didn't you get hurt the first time? Like, you were throwing a bullpen in the rain or something like that, is what I read. One of the first times that you ever, like, strained anything in your body, because you came up as a, as a teenager. Nothing hurt. You were throwing 300 innings and 300 strikeouts. Nothing hurt. And it, you, you had a body like Gumby. The flexibility was off the charts. The power fastball, the way that you moved was almost poetic. And then you, the first time I remember that you got hurt, I, I read that you were throwing a side and it was a rainy day. And all it takes is one little slip. All of a sudden, one thing goes out of whack, and now you got a sore elbow, a sore shoulder, a sore hip, and it leads to bigger things down the road. So we take that risk every time we touch the mound. Well, I totally agree. You have, you have to take the mound, man. And you're right, because you don't know. And the only time I ever got hurt was, was Buddy Harrison's first game. And, you know, after spring training, you know, spring training, you may throw 80, 90 pitches, maybe five, six minutes. Plus, it's hot down there. Opening day, Buddy's first game. And, you know, so like drizzle, 20 degrees. I pitch a complete game. I throw 130-something pitches. That offseason, I'm getting cut off. You know, because I went nine years, but still, you don't know. Like, situation, you don't know. I mean, if I had to do it all over again, me personally, as a competitive, you do the same thing. You want to compete. And we take the mound, the last thing you say, because, like you said, you got to look yourself in the mirror. You have to be accountable for your teammates. That's why you play the game. So you love the game. Personal stats is great, but everybody's trying to go on ultimate goal to try to win that trophy, man. That's what it's really all about. All the personal stuff is fine, but it's about the trophy growth and doing it as a team. You, you want to be accountable to your team. You want to get the respect from your team. And the New York fans, the media, and all that, love them or hate them. Those guys have a lot of knowledge. They know when you take them out. When you're 100%, give it 100%, they're going to love you no matter what. And if they bully you, they bully the performance, not you as a person. Speaking of the accountability 
front doc. It all starts up top. And, you know, by the end of the month, there's going to be the bids in and we might have an idea of who the Wilpons replacement might be if it happens. What is your whole thoughts on the ownership front? I think um, it'll be kind of bittersweet for me personally. I've, I've known the Wilpons since 82. And obviously, you know, they're great guys. Jeff and Fred, I can both. But at the same time, you know, as a fan now, I'm always going to admit a heart. Maybe it's time to change. And they put the team off themselves and they were to do it. Who gets it? I don't know. I know there's some names out there. Um, my thing is, whoever gets it, I just hope that when they come in, if they're not true baseball guys, they're just more business guys, hire someone in the running team or help really or however you do it that knows baseball. I mean, you get the credit anyway if the team wins. But bring a baseball guy in. I think sometimes ownership, and I'm not just putting out the whip on it, they bring in friends, they hire friends, and they want to win, but they want to win a certain way. It's okay to hire your Friends, but don't put them in a position where they're going to hurt you or hurt the team. Bring in baseball guys, true baseball guys. I mean, guys that love the game because analytics, computers, and all that stuff can only take you so far, bro. You got to know talent. I think the best scout is your eyes and what you see. Bring in, you know, go old school a little bit anyway. You got to have analytics somewhere. I get it. But bring in true baseball guys and the new ownership that comes in. Hopefully, they come in with the right attitude and want to win, which I think they will. That's why you get into it. And But it'd be sad to see the Whippons lead because I've known them so long. I have a personal relationship with them as well. Yeah. Oh. I won't say the same as a fan, but I I 100% you saying that being there since the 80s. Um, On the accountability front as well, you know, Brody's getting a lot of slack here for, you know, obviously the Cano trade, three prospects, Cam Broxon, the signings he's made, and especially now the Stroman trade is coming in the front where Anthony Kay is pitching well for the Blue Jays and they trade Simeon Woods-Richardson. What do you think of the jobs Brody's done? Do you think he'll be back next year? Um, I, me personally, I like Brody, and I think he's done well. I mean, that's unfortunately things happen in that business where you make trades, you make moves, and if they don't work out, you take the blame. And me personally, I was done the same trade. I like the Cano Diaz trade at the time. I thought, you know, Cano, you can't keep him healthy. You can't do nothing about that. What happened with Diaz? Nobody saw that coming. I mean, unfortunately, and like you say, now with Strowman, that's a tough one. Strowman, uh, you know, I don't know about that one. But I like Brody. I like to see him come back again on a full year. I mean, he had the one year last year the first time, and then unfortunately this year, I feel like he kind of got cheated. And then I like to give him one more shot next year as well. I think he'll do fine. And plus, He's learning on the go. I mean, coming from being an agent to a general manager is totally different, but he's a baseball guy. He loves the game, and he has some knowledge. I don't think it's his fault. Yeah, no, without a doubt, I think that's what you hit on early on, right? You got to get somebody with some baseball knowledge, and he was somebody that, listen, the Mets had tried to get some of the best minds in baseball. They tried to go with the, with the man who created Moneyball with Sandy Alderson and trying to do all these things, and it and it hasn't worked out. It hasn't led them to a championship. It led them to the playoffs, and that was really kind of a – it fell in their lap. In the, when it came in 2015 by getting Cespedes and getting all those key moves, the five days in flushing that changed the franchise right there. That was a, a, that something that happened that wasn't part of the plan. They had they kind of ramped it up. So you bring in Brody who sees things outside the box, right? He's looking at things a different way. A lot of fans aren't agreeing with the moves, but there's always some kind of foresight and there's numbers that an agent looks at trying to tell the future. One of those things was, and I guarantee you, I said this two years ago when, when uh, they first did the Cano trade, I said that they kept voting on the universal DH and it kept the vote kept getting closer and closer. Brody gets wind of that and Brody's saying, you know what? Robinson Cano can be a universal DH, but I'm trying to get Edwin Diaz uh, a major league closer for the next five, six years and, and not have to pay him 15 million a year. So there, there's ways that those, those guys look at baseball. It's a lot different than what we're used to seeing. And sometimes you got to kind of step back and, and see the bigger picture. No, no, I totally agree. You're right on with that one, bro. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. You couldn't have said it even better. I, I totally see that Saturday. 
And it's unbelievable, man, the way it's going. And like you said, now, I mean, you got to, like you said, go right to the basics. Bring in some guys that, and, and, you know, in New York, man, you can't really rebuild in New York. I don't like that in New York you're rebuilding. There's no reason to do that. Hopefully, I mean, I don't, they got some good pieces. The team got some good pieces. Just a matter of putting it together and just adding some, adding some more stuff. And then the one thing I really hate to say, and I don't believe I'm going to say it, but I have to say it. If, if you think, okay, like, I see DeGrom, okay, obviously, to me, DeGrom's the best pitcher in baseball the last three years, and this year has been no different. But, like, he probably has, let's say, three more, not this year, but three more years after this top years, that way he's pitching now. Next, going into next year, if you don't feel you have a chance to win, you might have to move him to bring in some pitches. I, I, I don't believe I'm saying that, but I just think as a baseball guy looking at it, you may have to do that. You may have to do that. Like a team like the Rays, Dodgers, Yankees, those systems are loaded. You might have to go get, you know, five guys for their own. You may just have to do it. Just a thought. I don't know. No, that's a, and that's one of those tough decisions that someone like Brody has to kind of weigh, right? Because look at next year's rotation. Right now, you only have two things that are certain of coming back. DeGrom and Matt. Syndergaard is coming off of Tommy John. Syndergaard, you don't know where he's going to be with that. You might have to get him in shape for Fairness to move on. The same thing after Willard. You know, you rehabbed him for three years and got him in shape for the Phillies. Now that could be the same thing with DeGrom. I mean, uh, Syndergaard next year. I don't know. But, I mean, there's some things you have to figure out. And that's why, hopefully, the team, you know, sells. Those are the decisions that have to be made. you got to see what direction you want to go and stick to it. I have a plan. You gotta have a solid plan. You can't be a what if plan. You gotta have a solid plan that you believe in. Don't go breaking my heart, Doc. Don't trade. Don't trade Jacob Degrom. He is the no, heart. No, I don't want to trade him. Trust me. I can't believe I said that. I, I, I don't think there's gotta be something you think about. You gotta look at it. Look at just your team right now and your pitch right now. What is your plan next year? I'm gonna say if you don't have a solid plan going into next year, that you feel you have a legitimate chance to. Not compete, not compete. A legitimate chance to win. Because every team that goes to spring training for you to have a shot to compete. You got to be able to win. I'm just saying, if you don't feel that and you don't see that and you don't have the pieces, it may be just something you have to consider. That's something just to consider. I don't want to see that either. I want that. I mean, that's the best you got. But you're wasting it. You wasted. You just wasted two years, and now this year you're wasting three years of his prime pitching. Yeah. Well, I mean, while I agree, I do think I think they have a team in place here that can win. They got these young bats. They have the offense. You got pieces in the bullpen. Again, starting pitching is the big thing they're going to have to address in the offseason. They might have to throw some money out, might have to get Stroman on kind of an incentive-laden deal if they wanted to bring him back. But there's definitely openings in that rotation. Doc Gooden, 16 on Twitter. Doc Gooden on Instagram. Check out his site, Gooden16.com. Uh, Doc, always love talking to you, man, and hopefully we'll talk to you later in the season. Oh, I love you guys, man. Thanks for having me. And then one more thing I want to throw at you. Matt, look into getting Johnny Cueto from the Giants. He's hungry. He's pitching for a contract, and maybe you can get him cheap for the rain of the year. But anyway, guys, thanks for having me. Love talking baseball with you guys. Keep up the good work. Doc John Heyman Gooden has come into the <laughs> into the room. <laughs> well done, brother. Well right, done. Love you guys. Thanks, Doc. See you, man. And that wraps up episode 18, the Daryl Strawberry, or one of my favorites, Rajay Davis episode of Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Speaking of wrapping it up, thanks to Jake for producing the show. Subscribe to Amazing But True wherever you get your podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars and write a nice review. We appreciate your continued support. For Nelson Figueroa and his quips, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Monday recapping the Mets weekend series in Philly against Joe Girardi's Phillies and looking ahead to the four-game set down in South Beach. The Mets are taking their talents to South Beach against the Marlins. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Stay safe.